chapter of Luke, the first 20 verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to, for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is perhaps an occupational necessity that pastors have to love Easter and Christmas. Right? Just have to. And I love Easter. I think Easter is the greatest day of the year. But Christmas, that whole season of Advent and Christmas, I just, I absolutely Love it. I love, I love the decorations. I love the way people dress. Speaking of how people dress, Larry, would you just, could you just come here for just a second? I love you. Larry's a math teacher locally. He's, he's a wonderful man. He's one of our musicians. I just needed you to see, to see this. Now wait, wait for it. Ready? I've always thought that the nativity needed a, a light up cat, right? All nativity should have one of those. So you did great. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, I love presents. I love giving presents, to be most specific. I love to give presents. We had Christmas at our house yesterday because mommy has to work tomorrow. She's a doctor, and people get sick on Christmas, so she's got to work. Uh, and we, we, we gave our kids, my daughter's three, my son is six, we gave them uh, guinea pigs. Uh, two beautiful little female guinea pigs. Uh, my daughter, Parker, named hers Olaf. Um, uh, from Frozen. My, my son, Brock, who's six, named his King Predator. So um, we have an Olaf and a King Predator at our, at our house now. Thank you, Santa, for that. Uh, but the, of all the stuff about Christmas, I think, I think the thing that I find most compelling in this season is, is the music. I just love music. Uh, I love the Christmas music. Not, not, not all. The, like, I don't care about Frosty the Snowman, right? I know, I know. But the truth is, when he melted at the end of the story, I didn't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the sacred ones. I love, I love the carols. I love the Christmas hymns. They're, they're whole, like, oh, holy night. There's this line that says, Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Listen, if you are a Marine in this room and that doesn't make you want to go take a hill for the cause of justice, you're singing it wrong. <laughs> I love, O come all ye faithful, the second verse says, the, um, says, true God from true God, light from light eternal. That language comes directly from the creed, the earliest formations of our, our, Christmas, our, our Christian tradition in 325 A.D. I love it. But, but, if I were to be completely honest with you, I would have to raise one indictment against my beloved Christmas hymns. And it's that sometimes they can make the event of Christ's birth feel a little distant, kind of inauthentic. What do, what do I mean? Like, have you ever thought about um, the, the baby Jesus and the way he's portrayed in all the hymns? The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. What's wrong with that baby, right? <laughs> Why isn't that baby crying? It's supposed to, I know babies, babies are supposed to cry. Uh, or, uh, what child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Could have been sleeping. Could have been doing something else, right? Wouldn't have had the same poetry if we talked about that. No. Or silent night, holy night, all is calm? Really? Woman just gave birth in a barn? Is calm the, the right word for this? I'm just, I'm just saying that, that we, can, we can make Jesus seem like he's not a baby. We can... We can make it sound like he popped out of Mary wearing a halo with a what would Jesus do pacifier in his mouth saying, let's do this thing, right? I don't think it's, enough, I don't think it's authentic. That's all. Or think about, think about Mary, right? I want you to picture the Blessed Virgin Mary in your mind right now. Picture her. Here's what you see. You see someone who's angelic. She's cherubic. She's beautiful. She has makeup on. Where'd she get makeup? I don't know. She's got it on. She's wearing a white dress, which I feel like was just poor planning, right? Don't wear a white dress if you know you're going to have a baby. Right? Or she just, she, just, 
just looks beautiful. Every manger scene I've ever seen, Mary just looked beautiful. I just want to know, how many women in here have had a baby before? Now, hold your hand up, hold your hand up. Now, keep your hand up if you say to yourself, I made childbearing look good. Anybody? Anybody in here? No? All right. Yeah. Because we're, traditionally, we don't associate that moment with great beauty. But that's how we picture Mary. Like she's just got it all together. Or, or, think about Joseph. Every manger scene I've ever seen, Joseph is standing there like this. Like he did something, right? <laughs> he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. His one job in life was to make a hotel reservation, but no, right? <laughs> we'll just find something when we get there, baby. <laughs> like, Almighty God has just said, I need you to play step-parent to my son. And, and so far, Joseph is 0 for 1. And he should be filled with anxiety, but when we look at him, he looks like this, right? We got it all together. Doesn't make sense to me. My, my thing is that We see a baby who doesn't cry and a mother who's so peaceful. We see a father who's got it all together. It's almost like when we see Jesus' birth, we see these stained glass windows and plastic manger scenes. And I've got nothing against stained glass or plastic manger scenes. I I like them. It's just that sometimes they feel a little bit inauthentic. We do the same thing with the visitors, by the way, uh, the shepherds. Um, we, we treat them, uh, we view them as if they're these, these powerful, well-put-together, with flowing robe dudes who show up. Shepherds were the lowest members of the society in the ancient Near East, absolutely the lowest. There, there's a, emperor, a, a historian rather named uh, Josias, and he said that in the ancient Near East, you weren't allowed to call shepherds as witnesses in court because their testimony wouldn't be believable. He went on to say, in most ancient Near Eastern towns, it was illegal to buy things from shepherds because it was believed that everything they owned would be stolen property. The only other people that the, that the Bible mentions as attending the Christ child near his birth are the wise men who followed a star for a thousand miles They followed a star for a thousand miles. They followed a star. We have a name for people who do things like that. We call them hippies. Yes? (laughs) My fear about Christmas is that we have this tendency to make something real into something plastic. God went to all this trouble to become accessible for us, and so often we elevate the nativity to a point that we can't access it anymore. The whole reason that Jesus Christ came to the earth was so that we could understand the heart of God's love, and so often we make that night so complicated we can't understand it anymore. You know what I do understand? I understand a baby that cries. That makes sense to me. I understand a mother who's exhausted. I understand a father who felt like he should have done more to provide for his family. That is real. And that is Christmas. In a barn that smelled bad because barns smell bad, a terrified young woman gave birth to a baby who one day would conquer fear. 
A father, racked with anxiety, bore witness to the coming of a wonderful counselor. He was attended not by kings or priests, but by the lowliest in society, proving once and for all that in God's economy what is important isn't our wealth or status, but simply our willingness to go when God calls us. Eventually, eventually the wise men show up from foreign lands because this child, this child king, the prince of peace was born to bring peace to all the nation, all the nations of the world. Why do we do this? Why do we elevate the coming of the Christ child to the point that it's inaccessible? Some would say that we sing about a silent night and sleeping babies, that we talk about how oxen and lamb can keep time with their tails. That we talk about an angelic mother and a dad who's got it all together because we want to preserve the sacred nature of that night. But here's the deal. I think the reason we make the event of Christ's birth so inaccessible is because it shields us from the pure, unadulterated power of Jesus Christ. If God used a perfect mom and a perfect dad to raise a baby who never cried or pooped, this story has no challenge for my life. Because I'm not perfect, and I didn't marry somebody who's perfect, and my kids sometimes cry, and occasionally they poop. That's not the truth of this story, though. That's not the truth of the story. Here's the takeaway. God did not then, nor does God now, change the world through people who have it all together. God didn't do it then. God doesn't do it now. God doesn't change the world through people who have it all together. And my guess is that there are women in this room who know what it's like to feel the way that Mary did. The hope of nations came from a mom who was at her wit's end. And my sense is that there are women in this room who know what it's like to be stressed out and filled with anxiety. But it was a woman, a young, shell-shocked woman who gave birth in a barn, an average, everyday, normal woman who helped change the world forever. The Christmas story is a story of a father who harbored silent fears that he wasn't going to be good enough. And I know for certain there are men in this room who share those same fears about whether or not we can be the men our families need us to be. And we ask ourselves the question, could God ever use a man with such doubts? All the time. But I don't have a degree, neither did the shepherds. I'm not a terribly good speaker. The native language of the wise men almost certainly wasn't Greek, but they praised the Christ child nonetheless. The power of this night, my friends, is not that it was extraordinary. It's the opposite. The beauty of the night so long ago is that God can and does work in the ordinary. So no... It almost certainly was not a silent night. And my prayer for all of us this Christmas is that we will experience the true power and beauty of Christ's birth. Not some plastic version that we buy at Walmart or Target, but the truth. The Holy Family did not have it all together. And God used them anyway to change the world, to bring light into darkness, and God can use you too.
Jesus came ultimately so our lives could matter, both here and into eternity. He came so our lives could matter. In the midst of a night marked by fear and anxiety and exhaustion, God showed up and made a lasting change on this earth. God used the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And God still does. So no, my friends, almost certainly it was not a silent night. But it was in every sense of the word, a holy one in which God used normal people who looked and acted just like you and me to bring a lasting light into darkness. And if God can do that 2,000 years ago, God can still do it today.